Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What you got there, Tim? This <laughs> 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 is like... <laughs> Hundred episodes. Yeah. Unbelievable. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. They said it couldn't be done. They told us we were completely insane for even dreaming of it. But it's happened. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the World Cricket Show. My name is Adam Bayfield and the man sat next to me has taken off his helmet and is saluting the crowd. And his name is Tony Kerr. And he's very pleased to be here. I thought it might get a bit boring when you suggested it initially. I thought, you know, and you were like, well, you know, when we get to sort of 60, 70, 80 episodes, <laughs> you're like, you will just get into it. And I was like, no, I'll be so bored by then. But actually... I've stuck with it. I was very much coming in with the long game in mind, you know, when we set up the show, it was it was very much... Well, it's a lot, it's a long con, isn't I've it? Been, really? uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is a long con, because this week I'm going to ask everyone for their bank details. <laughs> this is the week, I knew it was coming, we all knew it was coming. <laughs> but no, like, right from the start, I've, I, I've been planning this 100th episode spectacular, right from week one. I've written the script for that opening bit, and I think people will be able to tell just from how tightly scripted that, that was. Well, we were just letting off party poppers. We were uh, we spent some time over the past week trying to think of what to do. Um, yeah, our best idea was not to do an episode. That was, <laughs> that, that was like that was that was that led for quite a while, didn't it? For a week. <laughs> that was going to be the gag. The hundredth episode was no episode. Uh, but then we thought that might not work, so we thought about doing a video podcast. You know, we thought we'd do something really funny on video, but then we hit a slight snag, which was that we didn't have any ideas whatsoever. So we, in the end, just decided to get some party poppers and, and some of these things. <laughs> that didn't work really, did it? Uh, you know, which is exciting stuff. Well, that does mean there's now streamers over everything and there's a general aroma of gunpowder in the studio. And uh... it's well, Yeah, it's kind of like the Middle Ages, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is what I well, imagine the Middle Ages to look like. Still computers and stuff, but just like <laughs> gunpowder smells and like banners and streamers. Multicoloured streamers yeah. over everything. Streamers. That's very much my understanding of the medieval period is, yeah, just, just streamers everywhere. So yeah, we've made it to 100, and it should be noted that we've, we've made our 100, we've made our century in extremely trying circumstances. It's been difficult conditions, especially for me, I think, you know, having to deal with you week <laughs> in, week out. Um, well, it's undoubtedly one of the great 100s, I think, really. It's I mean, already possibly the greatest. Maybe the greatest 100, <laughs> yeah, ever scored. But as well we know, Tane, the mark of a true great is not getting 100, it's getting a big 100. So this is just us laying the platform. <laughs> the listeners will be alarmed to know that this is very much just phase one of the World Cricket Show. If you get to one sort of one forty, really, and get out, you fail to sort of build. I think you know this is the easy runs now. This is where they come easier. <laughs> the first twenty, boy, they were difficult. That was a difficult period to get through. It's just occurred to me, just as you were talking there, I wasn't really listening. Um, but it, it's just occurred to me that I spent um, seven pounds <laughs> today. 
uh, on these party poppers and, and horns and streamers. They were, they were gone within seconds. Do you think it was worth it? I mean, bearing in mind that this is very much an audio medium, not very visual. Is that money well spent? Yeah, going to have a hard time, hard time uh, you know, explaining that one to the sponsors. <laughs> yeah, to the bit to corporate. I don't think they're going to like that at all. Rubicon are going to be furious. No, you're, you possibly might be sacked. Well, if this is my last episode, <laughs> we're going well, out on a high. Way to go. They'll bring in like Eamon Holmes next week. Um, it'd, be Hugh it'd be Hugh Edwards and Edwards and Holmes. Well, you're very much the master of the segue team oh, because that's what I'm here for. Hugh Edwards leads us neatly on to talk about you know the real thing that people I think tune in to hear on the World Cricket Show, and that is the royal wedding, royal wedding banter because. For people who don't know, Hugh Edwards was presenting the uh, the coverage on the BBC. That's that's how the segue works. He, he was actually he was. I was watching the snooker, the World Snooker final last night, and uh, he was interviewed. He was there, obviously. So naturally, he had to be interviewed. He looks a lot. He looks, doesn't look as old from the side, because like, you obviously <laughs> only see him from front on normally. He looks really old, but actually, he doesn't look as old when he's like sort of at an angle. That's that's a tip I'll give for him. You should speak to his agent because that's how like they should market him in his like portfolio. <laughs> yeah. Not as old from the side, <laughs> Hugh Edwards. But yeah, you know I think you know people are dying to hear our thoughts on the wedding. Say, so, you know, what did you think of the dress, Toad? Uh, I've got no jokes on the dress. <laughs> really, I'd say. Speaking of jokes, um, I updated the World Cricket Show Facebook on the day of the wedding. Um, and I said something along the lines of, you know, oh, the big day's finally here, Tony's camped out on the on the mail. And then, like, a few people got in touch and said, like, oh, is Tony really there? And then it occurred to me that this is just one of those jokes that's just a lie, because it's neither implausible nor funny. No, you, no, you weren't there. We should clear no, up. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I should have been there, though. I was, I was overwhelmed by it, I think. I was won over a little bit by, by the wedding. I was being very cynical on last week's show, wasn't I? Very downbeat about the whole thing. But I, I really enjoyed it. Because the build-up was... The build-up was fairly painful, I would say. But actually, the event was handled in... And this is a really dry conversation. But that, the event was handled pretty well. I'd like to say there wasn't too much sort of pomp and ceremony. There was obviously a lot of it. But actually, it didn't feel like didn't feel like there was anything unnecessary there. Yeah, I think like it was really nice. Like, you know, I, I, I think it's... I, I really don't care about the wedding, like the, the wedding aspect of it. But I, d- I just enjoyed the sort of celebratory nature of it and the fact we had a day off work. That's really why I liked it. But also, you know, like everyone sort of, you know, doing stuff and you see all the flags out. Because Britain doesn't have a national day. There's no 4th of July, there's no Bastille Day, there's, there's, there's no regular occasion where everyone comes together and celebrates. So it's either during the World Cup, which is once every four years, or, you know, on random days like this. So I, I think that's really nice. True, yeah. It's not particularly funny, but it's nice. <laughs> you say, you know, the, the build-up to the day was painful, you pointed out last week. The media coverage of the event was basically about the media coverage of the event. The media coverage on the day still annoyed me a little bit. I think I said to you at the time, it really reminded me of the bit in Armstrong and Miller where you'd have like uh, these kind of royal, in quotes, experts, you know, being interviewed by Hugh Edwards. And he'd be say, and there's a bit in uh, this uh, this sketch show, Armstrong and Miller, where they have, you know, it's supposed to be a, a BBC news programme where they're interviewing the royal correspondent and they're saying, you know, what will Prince Harry be doing now? And, be, and he's going, you know, I'd probably be having breakfast. Could be bacon, eggs, could be scrambled or fried, or perhaps even poached. And it, it was very much that sort of thing. It was just like, where will they be now? And he was like, well, they'll probably just be sort of inside Buckingham Palace, waiting to come out on the balcony. And Hugh Edwards would be like, fascinating, fascinating oh, insight. It is, yeah, it, uh, they'd be like driving down, they were driving along, along the way. And the, yeah, the commentary would be something along the lines of, you know, like, we're pretty sure, possibly a pair of shoes in there. You know, she's probably wearing shoes, we would expect. 
What was the what the worst one was? Uh, I think it was Edward saying, "Will she be nervous?" He he asked himself, "Will she be nervous?" And he said, he answered it. Of course she will, because she told us she was nervous. <laughs> it's just like, come on, come on. But no, there was a lot of that. It's like she'll probably, as we see a glimpse of white there, suggesting that she is indeed wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> there was a cricket connection to it all. God, there was. There, there always is. There always is. Kate, Katie, was of course upstaged by her sister Pippa as a. As well you know. Um, <laughs> she got a lot of attention, didn't she? But millions of hearts broke when it emerged that she is in fact spoken for. It's who she's dating that is of interest to us. Who is it? Tone, because it's none other than former England cricketer Alex Loudon. Now I can hear a real chorus <laughs> of who from our listeners. Um, a lot of people won't necessarily remember because he's a former England cricketer but he only played one One Day International, which was in 2006. But he went on a test tour to Pakistan in 2005, right after that famous Ashes triumph, and was being talked up as a, as a real uh, future prospect. Um, that <laughs> I have a very vivid memory relating to Alex Loudon, which I thought was really funny at the time, of, of watching Sky Sports News when the test squad to Pakistan was announced. And uh, Loudon went as, as the third spin bowler. And they were really talking up uh, his, his attributes, specifically the fact that he could bowl a Dusra. And they were talking to Ian Botham and he was there going like, I'm really excited about this kid. He bowls a Dusra, you know, he's 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 young, he bowls a Dusra. They, they showed some footage to Botham of him bowling the Dusra and he just kept running up and just bowling half trackers that were getting absolutely dispatched <laughs> before, but they were spinning the other way. And Botham was like, well, I mean, of course, the I mean, these particular deliveries, you know, um, aren't having much success, but he is, you know, at least it is a Dusra. And then you've got to bear in mind, of course, that's the best that they could get. You know? <laughs> so that made me yeah. laugh. So it's probably no surprise that uh, Loudon didn't have uh, quite such a long career, cricket yeah. career. Um, and indeed, he, he retired in 2007 at a very young age um, to go and work in the city. That was, of course, before the credit crunch. So God knows what's happened to he him now. That one well. But yeah, but suddenly the whole world was asking who the bloody hell is Alex Loudon? Shortly after the ceremony, he was both trending on Twitter and a popular search term on Crick Info. So there you go, That's that was the royal wedding then, wasn't it? The royal wedding that was. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, a real, it's been a real trilogy of massive events, isn't it, this weekend? The royal wedding, Bin Laden's death, and the 100th episode, I think. It's a phenomenal year for news so far, and uh, yeah, this is sure to make, to make the headlines tomorrow. Have you got any comic material about the Bin Laden death? Or? I've got much. I was quite surprised that the uh, I was quite surprised by how much surprise there's been that uh, you know the White House start the Obama and you know the, the key members of uh, his team were were watching the thing on like live relay from a camera <coughs> on one of the uh, the Navy SEALs' heads uh, because if you've watched uh, any West Wing or Twenty Four you know that that's just routine you know that's what <laughs> they do who's surprised I'm not I'm certainly not surprised the only thing that surprised me about it was um, when they showed a picture you know that picture that they've released of Obama and his team watching the the live feed anything that surprised me was that it wasn't cj josh (laughs) leo sam uh you know watching it with him for people who don't know that that they're the characters from the west wing so really we could just do with talking about the news i think this week no cricket not which cricket's happened (laughs) well that That could have been the 100th episode spectacular just turned it into the world news show just absolutely no cricket whatsoever we could have done that but we're not going to there is some cricket coming up later on today tone and by later on, I mean almost immediately. Right in the next minutes. Um, we are uh, going to be looking at the announcement that Duncan Fletcher is taking over as the coach of India. Andy Flowers extended his contract with England, so we'll be talking about that. 
IPL, just there's always IPL. And I've got some side notes as well, I don't know if you've picked out any. Again, that look of panic and then just the eyes straight down <laughs> to the screen as you look for no, the side notes. I'm just you know, just sort of getting the side notes up. Well, I've got some good ones here. I see. I very much. I've got like some, you know, some people who put the side notes together for me, and I just present them <laughs> in the, the, the best way possible. You're like the Bob Hope of uh, 21st century podca- <laughs> podcasting. Around the world now. I'm not sure if you're aware, Tone, but this show is supposed to be about cricket. So perhaps we should talk about some cricket. Interesting that you've started with around the world. It's unusual, isn't it? We normally go in with with a slightly bigger name. Uh, item. <laughs> yeah, it's a box office item. This is more, you know, we've probably lost half the listeners already. There's been developments uh, in India. Uh, Gary Kirsten stood down as the coach of India after the World Cup. Uh, and this week it was announced that he will be replaced by Duncan Fletcher. It's the Zimbabwean's second coaching job in international cricket after. Who did he coach before? After famously helming England for almost eight years uh, in the previous decade. Uh, He's renowned, of course, as the coach responsible for the Ashes triumph in 2005. Took England from bottom of the test rankings all the way up to second at one point during his reign. What do you make of his appointment as Indian coach then? Uh, I saw Sunil Gavaskar and Kapil Dev were both unhappy. Both said he's not the right man. Um, But, you know, he's got a, a very good record in international cricket in his one international coaching job. What's your unique take on the situation, too? Yeah, he's. I think he's. In terms of cr- in the cricketing world, I, I, not, not maybe just because he's coached England and coached England for a very long time, but he is one of the, he's a sort of like one of the big names, isn't he, in, in cricket coaching? I can see where the you know, where there can be some objections because he is pretty grouchy, isn't he? He's, he's not. I can't imagine he's the easiest guy to, to work with. Yeah, he's. He he, he, and also, he burned quite a lot of bridges in the after after leaving the England job. So I think he hasn't really shown himself in glory since then. And that was, that was a few years ago, so... Yes, yeah, four years since he, he left his, his England post. Um, he's had a couple of consultancy roles with South Africa and with um, New Zealand. The South Africa one went quite well because he was he was out in Australia helping out the coaching staff when, when South Africa won that series in Australia, which was a great triumph for them. So that went quite well. But he has been fairly you know off the radar for a little while. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good point. He, he doesn't deal with the media particularly well, and that's going to be a huge element of this this job uh, for India because you know there's there's so much expectation a billion people are going to be you know tracking his every move and um, I also think in one particular sense it's quite a strange decision because if you look at Fletcher's record with England you know, his success came in turning around the fortunes of a side that was in the doldrums you know England were bottom of the rankings when he took over and he was able to to come in and bring in fresh approaches and completely transform it um, and he did that extremely well but his problem was keeping them at the top once he'd got them there. It's a well-known uh, fact that after that 2005 Ashes success, um, England completely lost the plot, really, uh, and the return Ashes series ended up 5-0. You know, things went very badly once thing they got so, to that, that <coughs> level. Thing is, though, was that just a result of just purely the amount of time he spent? Things went, because that Ashes series was the, you know, the ultimate goal pretty much from day one, you know, having achieved it, the whole setup looked a bit stale. You know, the the players, some of the players moved on, and you know, suddenly he was in trouble. But I think that was quite a unique situation. I don't know. You might well be right, and there were a lot of injuries there, and it didn't help that uh, Andrew Flintoff was, you know, the the one in charge and and great player that he was. The the culture that he kind of um, inculcated, for one of a less fancy word, uh, was 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 to a large degree responsible for that. 
But on the other hand, Fletcher made Flint off the captain. I don't know. It's very difficult to say just how far Fletcher was responsible for that. You could, yes, you're right. You know, the whole thing built up to that 2005 Ashes. You can't just blame Fletcher for that. But then on the other hand, is it the coach's job to be looking beyond these, you know, immediate challenges all the time? I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily blame him for all of that. But you would just say that if you're the Indian, you know, board and you're looking for an international coach, given that. India are at the top of the world game at the moment, number one in the test rankings, just won the World Cup. If yeah, I don't see what I don't see what for him what the challenge is there, other than presumably working out how he's gonna spend the money he's gonna get paid. Wait, well, we can't really take them any further. I guess there is a danger as well, you know, there are young players coming through, but you know, a couple of years down the line there's gonna be a few players, certainly big players like Tendulkar, presumably moving on at some point. Tendulkar, Dravid, Latchman, um, even Zar here. You know, the, you, yeah. you would say that uh, the only way for India is down. down. And you think maybe, I don't know how how much Fletcher's been, how knowledgeable he is about young, the young sort of Indian, the next generation of Indian players, whether, you know, it's an appointment from, they should have they should have picked someone from, he was working with young players in India with like an under-19 side or something like that, I don't know. Somebody's got that already, that, that knowledge, I don't know, Fletcher, if it, if it takes him two or three years to, to work out what the hell's going on, uh, yeah, it could be too late. Moreover, you know, his, his primary um, area of expertise is batting. You know, he is fundamentally a batting coach who, who got promoted. Now, India aren't exactly struggling in the batting department at the moment. I mean, yes, they're going to lose, as we say, Tendulkar, Lachman, Dravid, but there's plenty of fantastic guys coming through. It's the bowling that's the big area of concern. Now, that's not necessarily something you'd hold against Fletcher, but it just seems like his strengths aren't necessarily what India um, require at the moment. It, so in one sense, it is, a, it is a strange choice. But, you know, all that said, I think, you know, he's clearly a fantastic international coach. I think England's struggles in the last year or two of his regime have made people forget just how good he was uh, and, and they were before that. You know, it's not just the Ashes. That was very much the culmination um, of everything that had gone on before, which included away series wins in South Africa, Sri Lanka, Pakistan... Uh, a sequence of eight consecutive test victories in 2004. England were brilliant under Fletcher for a very long time. At that point, they probably were the best team in the world. And at that time, a lot of that was attributed to Fletcher, both by the media and by the players themselves. Now, you know, he, I think he lost a bit of respect, both for the fact that England tapered off after 2005, but also um, because of the way he kind of uh, lashed out uh, elements of the media and elements of his own team. He maybe lost a bit of respect because of that, but that shouldn't change the fact that he was brilliantly successful for a long time. He was recommended by the outgoing coach, Gary Kirsten. Kirsten said, you know, this is the guy you need. So, you know, he's a, he's a formidable international coach. He's obviously going to have a lot of respect. He's a very authoritative figure, which is maybe what India need, you know, keep them grounded. Um, he's a sort of um, Fabio Capello type figure, maybe. Uh, with India touring England this summer, um, does it concern you how much he knows about England's players? He knows too much, man. He knows <laughs> too much. Man. Well, I don't know. Does he? Does he? He knows about a few of them for sure. But you know, there's, there's a there's a few come in since he left. So it's yeah, I, tasty. Though. I wonder how the uh, yeah, I wonder how the media. I wonder how we'll treat him when he comes back. There will be uh, you know. I've already um. Already got the plaque on. The ink's drying on my Judas banner um, as we speak. Uh, four years down the line, <laughs> I'm still furious. I'm, yeah. You don't bear grudges, I don't think. That's, that's one of the things I think I most respect about you. Uh, um, no, I think it, it will certainly be interesting to see whether the likes of Strauss, Bell and Peterson, and by the likes of I mean Strauss, <laughs> Bell and Peterson, um, it'll be interesting to see whether they struggle because you know they're clearly three guys that Fletcher had 
spent a lot of time with worked very hard on their techniques so yeah that that will be interesting but then on the other hand how much more can you know about those players they've been in the England team for a very long time I don't know what Fletcher can bring to the table that the Indian um, setup won't have already worked out just from studying footage of them and, and stuff I don't know it's different if they're they're young players that are coming through and, and no one knows that much about them but then Fletcher doesn't have that kind of inside information because it's four years since he was in charge of England so I don't know I, I, I'm not too concerned about that but of course Fletcher wasn't the Indian board's first choice uh, that was Andy Flower yeah, it's a real it's getting exciting isn't it this managerial coaching merry go melting, melting merry go pot <laughs> um, something along those lines um, uh, he turned down the offer from India didn't want to uproot his family he said and, and said he had unfinished business with England and he's indeed signed a new deal with the ECB to stay on as England coach indefinitely What's your reaction? You pleased? I'm very happy, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you've got to be happy if you're an England fan. Since he's come in in 2009, or, or there and thereabouts, uh, I couldn't really be more impressed with him, I don't think. Just the way, you know, everything about him, he, he's so, he look, or he comes across, and if he's acting, he's doing a very good job. He comes across, you know, he's very measured, very uh, calm, he talks really well, he appears to be very self-confident. He's, in his playing career, he proved himself to be like an exceptional character, really. Not just a really talented cricketer, but like an exceptional character to to perform to the level he did in the, in the circumstances he, he, he was performing in. So his track record is fairly flawless, I would say. And, yeah. and, and winning, for England to win that, that World 2020, you know, having never been any good at all whatsoever at one-day cricket, was not by chance, I don't think. I think Flower is is like he's like a hybrid of England's two previous coaches. He's got the best things of both. He he you know he demands respect like Duncan Fletcher because of his his track record as a player, as you say, and he's he's got all the the, the modern techniques that Fletcher had and and the the eye for detail that Fletcher had. But at the same time, he's like a, a friend to the players, as Moores was supposed to be and and was with a lot of them. But obviously patently not Kevin Peterson uh, and he's also you know pretty good with the media as as Moores was was supposed to be so I think he's arguably in sports I think he's one of the best out there in terms of the way he talks he gives he gives enough he's not he's not really con- he's never controversial he never really says anything stupid but actually he is really captivating and, and quite and quite engaging to to listen to uh, the the wisdom um, almanac has come out recently uh, and one of the opening paragraphs of that they're talking about the the ashes tour uh, and it, it says, I mean, this is a the hyperbole that we've discussed about, you know, the greatest ever innings and stuff taken to the next level. <laughs> it's something like there has never been uh, a more meticulously planned uh, or perfectly executed operation in human history than England's Ashes tour in 2010. Wow. Which is high praise for Andy Flower, given that he, you know, was... I wonder what Napoleon would say about that, to be honest. Well, Napoleon, I can see where you're going with that reference, but I'm not sure his his Russian adventure was uh, was quite as well thought out as the. Yeah, uh, he had some good adventures, didn't he? He had some good ones. So he did all right. It's not good like time. not like the famous five. I mean, I know I used the word <laughs> adventure, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, given that Flower, along with Strauss, was was to a large degree responsible for that that planning, it, it it's high praise. He he is the the best planner that has ever lived. So good yeah. that we well, let's get him on something. Let's get him on something else. Let's get him doing you know having a go. At, Climate change strategy. Future royal weddings. He'd be good at that. Let Flower handle like the seating arrangements and stuff. Because I was a bit disappointed that like Elton and, and the Beckhams weren't more visible at the front. I mean, they should they should be front row really. Well, they should, I mean Beckham possibly should have been uh, conducting the sermon. I think. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I think 
I missed the trick there. There was no song from Elton. What was that about? Are you ready for love? Well, that, yeah. <laughs> that would have been good. That if Flower was in charge, that he'd be <laughs> definitely would have happened. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder. You know, he, you know, the reason he gave for not not taking up the Indian position was he didn't want to uproot his family. Did he want the Indian job though? Was he like, well, I want the Indian job, but I don't want to uproot my family, so that's more important. Or was he like, well, I don't want the Indian job, but I don't want to tell them that. I'll tell them I don't want to uproot my family. Uh, well, this is... that's what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> what, not tell the truth? I did not tell the truth. Yeah, well, you're fundamentally a coward. But um, I don't know. It's very difficult for me to say, given that I'm not privy to the inner workings of Andy Flower's mind. But, but, but you know, I think most uh, anyone with any ambition as an international... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Coach wants the India job eventually. It's the England uh, football job equivalent in cricket. It's, it's the biggest money the biggest side in the world in terms of uh, supporter base you know it's just the biggest job I mean England I would say is the second biggest job he's not poorly compensated in that but so I think Flower you know probably would want to do the India job at some point but I think it may have come a bit too early for him maybe in three or four years you know, his, his natural shelf life uh, as England coach will be um, reaching an end then maybe he'd think about it but I don't know I think it, you know he has as he implied got unfinished business with England I think he's building a team for the future he doesn't want to throw that all away when he's still very young and can do the India job in the future. I'm surprised he isn't going to look at the West Indies job because that's a good one, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> that could be, uh, you know... Real stability in that job, I and think. That, you know, that's what he's looking for, I think. My PL. Have you managed to keep an eye on the IPL this week, Tone? Or has it all just passed you by in a, just a, a sea of uh, meaningless fixtures? Do you know what, Adam? It is starting to pass you by. It's all a bit much. So are you not enjoying it all that much, then, this year? Because I'll be honest, my enthusiasm is waning a little bit. I've seen you know, I was really liking it at the start, but I feel that the uh, the, the post World Cup hangover is catching up with me a little bit. There has essentially just been a constant diet of limited overs cricket, you know, basically every day since the nineteenth of February, and it is getting a little bit tiresome now. I'm looking forward to the return of Test cricket, but there's still uh, about thirty matches left in the IPL before it finally staggers to a conclusion. It's even longer than last year. Way too long, surely. It's, it's got to be too long, isn't it? It's got to be. I've, I've lost track. I don't really know what's going on. Day to day, it's very difficult to to keep a handle on because it's just games every day, and there's no there's only one group. It's not like there are rounds of fixtures. I can't really get into it geographically. 
it's quite difficult to to know. There's no, I don't know who's right, who's who's rivaling who. Who are the who, what's the big rivalries? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the Kings Eleven and the Rajasthan Royals. That's a big rivalry, and they'll know that too. Shetty and Zinter. Well, if they've been getting my emails, then, <laughs> then they will know that. Yeah, they'll be very aware of the, of how much that game means. But I don't know. Does it? How, what does it mean when Kochi play Deccan? Well, not a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, this this is the problem. Is is I think it, it it's partly a problem that's inherent to twenty twenty cricket, which is just that a lot of the games are pretty similar. It can become quite formulaic when you have simply this uh, volume of matches. They're just not very memorable at all. So you know, if I ask you, with the possible exception of Rajasthan, what has happened in the last week? Now you might have followed the games, you know, as they were happening. I know I did. You know, I followed it on the live text at work, as we discussed, as opposed to doing work. Um, you know, I've watched a few games uh, as well, but I can't remember anything that happened in any of them because there are so many and they're all so similar, and none of them mean very much because it just goes on for so long that if you lose a game, it doesn't matter because there's yeah. another one in two days' time. Yeah, the, the, sort of the nature of 2020, individual performances just don't seem that remarkable. Like Maybe they are in the context of that match, but when you look back at it and see like the man of the match got two for 30, got like 30 runs or something, you just think, like, well, it's not actually that, it's not that impressive. Yeah, because you know it, it, it's impressive in the context of 2020, but actually, like if you watch a highlight reel and you know the match-winning performances a bowler taking two wickets, it's just it's just not there's just nothing particularly spectacular about that. I mean, when they do happen, like hundreds from Chris Gale and, and Paul Valtteri, it does make those even more amazing. But they're just very rare events, really, aren't they? Very difficult, and you just get the feeling that at the end of the <clears throat> the end of the group stage. You get the feeling that probably all the teams will be in within about four points of each other. Yeah, it will render the first sort of sixty matches completely pointless, <laughs> and then it just comes down to the last round of fixtures. Right, it must be the briefest sort of knockout section, sort of ratio to sort of build up of yeah. any competition in the world. So you know we're we're not enjoying uh, the IPL maybe as much as we did last year or as much as we were expecting. I think we're not the only ones. This kind of apathy, maybe this post World Cup apathy has been reflected in the television ratings not so much in India which is still you know very strong but the figures around the world have dropped as as compared to last year it is it is difficult isn't it because uh it's easy for us i think to i kind of i personally feel like the IPL should be catering more to us <laughs> when actually fair play to them you know they've really only got to capture the indian audience so that's 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 their audience so they don't really need to worry about us no, and uh, as you've said, you know, we we don't really necessarily know that much about the geography and who are the big rivals, and but then it, it's not a tournament for us, really. We're very well, much exactly. the outsiders. Yeah. But despite all of that, you know, so <laughs> this sounds like we're we're really resenting we're having, it, yeah. having to talk about the IPL, but you know, there's still lots been happening. You have there has been some um, excitement. Uh, do you want the points table? Mumbai Indians still top of the table with 14 points. Then Kolkata and Chennai. Uh, just behind them with 12. Uh, then we've got Rajasthan in fourth. The Royal Challengers, Bangalore are fifth. The Kochi Tuskers, Kerala are sixth. Then we've got the Deccan Chargers in seventh. Delhi Daredevils are eighth. Uh, the Kings Eleven Punjab all the way down in ninth. And bottom of the table are the Pune Warriors. Still with just four points. They've now played nine, one, two, and lost seven. So not going too well for the Warriors. Kings Eleven haven't had the best of weeks. Um, <laughs> they've, as I say, slid down to second from bottom. Uh, lost to the Mumbai Indians by uh, 23 runs in Mumbai, uh, with Sachin Tendulkar scoring a 50 that propelled him back to the top of the run scorers chart. He got the orange cap back, didn't he? 
Good little cap there. No sponsor on it though. No, they've missed an opportunity there, haven't they? Really? They well, couldn't. Yeah, they, they could attach the sponsor's name to virtually every sort of tangible sort of asset, and also every sort of intangible you know, just, asset. Yeah, exactly. Just like weird concepts, like the moment of success. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's odd. It's not though. even like it's so difficult to even define what a moment of success is. It, it is odd. It's a really strange thing that those caps don't have sponsors. The purple cap for the highest wicket taker, the orange cap for the highest run scorer, because. Yeah, it's something that you could literally emblazon the logo on and, and they could mention the sponsor's name every time. Maybe the IPL administrators are listening to this and just, you know, they're, they're suddenly like, oh, slapping their foreheads <laughs> as they realise they've missed a big opportunity there. Well, I think, you know, maybe we could get in touch with them and sort something out and maybe get a little bit kicked back on that. Yeah, we could put in a word for Rubicon, couldn't we? Um, I don't know, but perhaps they just thought, you know, that in their meeting, their whatever, you know, Modi or whoever the replacement was, yeah, they just thought, yeah, we're, we're flogging this really hard, guys. But, you know, we, we don't want to be accused of just being too commercial, not thinking about the cricket and stuff. And let's just let's leave the cap. Let's leave the cap. <laughs> so yeah, the Kings eleven defeat to uh, to to Mumbai was was depressing for me. But the one consolation is that it did mean that uh, Rajasthan were um, knocked off their perch because in a bonkers development this week, at one point the Royals were top after three wins in a row, including an absolute hammering of Mumbai, that came out of nowhere, restricted the Indians to just 94 for 8 from their 20 overs and knocked off the runs very comfortably. The Royals also beat uh, the Pune Warriors uh, and the Kochi Tuskers. So yeah, so uh, a good week for the for the Royals, not a particularly scoreback week for the Kings eleven, but I do think that it's not all doom and gloom uh, for Punjab. I do think we can turn it around. As you say, it is very much just a case of win a few games here and there and you'll probably be in the mix at yeah, the end. You've got a couple of games in hand, so you win those, you, you got probably well, you could reach the heady heights of fifth. Some other results this week. Um, Kochi and Delhi played each other twice in a row, with each side winning one out of the two games. Um, the Daredevil's win was founded on an astonishing innings from Varinda Sevag, who was the only man to make batting look easy on a difficult pitch in Kochi. And Pune Warriors, as I've mentioned, this week lost games uh, to the Royals and also to the Royal Challengers Bangalore, a lot of royalty on the show this week. So they are of course the two new franchises this season, Kochi and Pune and I'd say that overall Kochi have been erratic so far whereas the Warriors have really struggled and as I say find themselves marooned at the bottom. What do you make of the uh, of the new franchises so far Tone? I think there's no correlation between the performance of the new franchises and the fact they're new franchises. Uh, because obviously they've all got different players, haven't they? They're all basically new teams, so any, there's no greater reason for them to be rubbish than the rest of them. It's a very difficult thing to assess, isn't it? Because it's not as though there are a couple of newly promoted clubs like in in the, the Football Premier League or anything because you know they've got as much talent in their squads as anyone else. They've got somebody like Yuvraj Singh as the captain of, uh, of Pune, uh, man of the tournament in the World Cup, you know, a lot of IPL experience. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not as though they're, they're struggling for talent. Um, you could argue that, you know, they've had less time to gel as a squad uh, than the other franchises. But then, you know, most uh, teams have radically different squads to the ones they had last year. So, so there is not necessarily a rhyme or reason to the fact they're struggling. We say they're struggling, you know, it's this thing, isn't it, that we keep returning to at the points table. One win for Pune, and they go level on points with Deccan, Delhi and Kings Eleven. so... No, it could well be that um, by next week, Pune will be like third or fourth in the table. So, you know, at which point everything we've said here uh, becomes 
irrelevant. So, you know, it's very difficult to talk about the IPL really, because <laughs> yes. it changes so I really think we should constantly. not talk about the IPL until the end of the, until the, end of the group, <laughs> so then we can just assess it all. I do think for next season, they possibly need to have a rethink of the format. Cricket in general just needs to get a format guru in. I'm really? thinking me for that one, Adam, because, you know, just any way you look in cricket, it's just flimsy, flimsy formats. Well, the thing with the IPL is, you know, the main problem... They haven't thought about the IPL at all, the format. They just, like, bungle the teams in and have a, have a little knockout at the end. I think they have thought about it, but what I think they've thought is let's get as wrong. many matches as possible because that will, you know, squeeze every last rupee. Any, any mention of rupees, I immediately think Zelda. Uh, so I think we should have a rupee sound, a Zelda rupee sound every time we talk about money in the IPL. I think uh, the, one of the problems with the format this year ha- has been the introduction of, of the new franchises because it, it, it does mean that there's just, you know, obviously a corresponding increase in number of fixtures. It also has, I think, uh, weakened the IPL because with two new teams coming in, there's basically the same number of players. It's just that that talent pool has been diluted. The, the international players, the overseas players are spread more thinly um, across 10 franchises rather than eight. You know, while I was reasonably, and I use the word reasonably advisedly, excited about the introduction of, of the two new teams, you know, I'm always in favour of, of shaking things up in any way before the season. You know, at this point, I do think that their introduction has been um, a mistake. I, don't know. I think they got, I think they got the nicknames wrong as well. The Tuskers, not a fan. Mm, Tuskers is better than some. Super Kings, I don't like. None of the nicknames are very good, really. Rawls is, Rawls, I mean, Rawls is, is great, but. To be fair, they get it wrong all the time. Like I, I don't know, maybe you just can't like can't invent these things because like in the county cricket when they brought in the uh, you know brought in the the nicknames a few years like like ten years ago now Warwickshire Bears and the yeah. the Surrey Lions and stuff. I think maybe just you know maybe America American sports have just got a, a monopoly on good being able to use those sort of names. What do you think about that? they just seem to work in America interesting question it's kind of more historical I guess well maybe the new ones aren't but (laughs) the ones that don't have any history like Yankees is like that's got that's got history because you can't invent history well yeah maybe in a hundred years I'll be like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) the Kerala the Tuskers (laughs) the Tuskers the Kerala (laughs) you always do this Kerala is the name of the region it's like how you wanted to refer to King's Lemon as the Punjab (laughs) have a standard naming convention don't, you can't put it in front. They're not called like the Yankees New York, are they? Put it after the name of the place. So, uh, no, it, it, to be fair, it is confusing. It's, it's it not is confusing. confusing to no, no, no. I can understand why you're even baffled <laughs> I'm by not it. baffled by it, but it just annoys me because it's like, come on, you agree with me on this one. No, I, well, I certainly agree with you that the nicknames in the IPL in general aren't very good. There's so many royals. Like, there's two teams that have kings in the name. There's the Royal Challengers and the Royals. Uh, and then yeah, it's, like not, Mumbai it's, Indians is fairly like unimaginative yeah, really yeah. isn't it the side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week have you got any side notes for us this week Tane? there's a little cricket match going on as there always is somewhere there's a little clip some audio a little bit of commentary if you will from a uh, I think it was Somerset and someone else we're playing a cricket match have you heard of Somerset? they're not in the IPL so you probably wouldn't then Peter Trago Facing uh, Robert Croft, you remember Robert Croft? I remember Robert Croft. He's still playing cricket. (laughs) Apparently, this is what happened. As Robert Croft comes in now, and both Trigger comes down and hits it up towards us, and is it going to hit us? So uh, sorry about that, Edward Bevan. The ball has just come right through a window here. So the ball went through a window. 
I mean, that's what every player is aiming to do, isn't it, at all points. I can tell you that um, Bevan, the commentator, said after the game, apparently when the ball went through the window, Trigo stood down and put his fist through the air as if to say, I've been trying to do that for years and I've done it at last. But uh, but funny, yeah, cartoonish sound effect. You almost think they'd, you know, he was like, oh, it's coming up our way and they just got a hammer and just smashed the window. Oh, oh, blimey. That's the thing. <laughs> It'd be a heavy price to pay for fairly unamusing I think comedy. He wanted his own, he wanted his uh, Agnew moment, I think. <laughs> he, he didn't quite get it, did he? And just on on that, uh, that, that piece of Agnew, that piece of TMS commentary, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, how many years ago was it? Ten? I can't remember if it was Henry Blayfeld or someone or Agnew said something that was possibly a double entendre or something and got them giggling and they just kept giggling and that's that's classic commentary that is, that is classic commentary and I find it simultaneously whilst it is really entertaining and it is funny equally if that's the funniest thing that's ever happened in, in, like, in commentary then we're, tr- we're in trouble because they just trot it out every time and they're just like oh it's classic isn't it Agnews do stop it <laughs> like an impression uh, I've got a side note from uh, Crook Info titled Dressing Room or Doll's House. This is one that will interest you, Tane. Rajasthan Royals have a new team member. No, they've not brought in an injury replacement, nor has Shane Warne unearthed another obscure talent and signed him up. The latest addition to the team is about a foot tall, wears pink, and comes with a commemorative cap. Her name is Pinky, and the plastic doll is Warne's latest motivational tool, an innovation to keep his teammates on their toes. The punishment for anyone breaking a team rule, for instance coming late for a team meeting, is pinky and a cap with the words, you banana, splashed across the front. The offender then has to wear the cap and carry the doll with him, all the while following, quote, doll rules at all, <laughs> at all times, be it at the ground, on the team bus or on a flight between games until someone else goofs up. Ross Taylor was the first to take charge of pinky and has been followed by Sean Tate, Johan Berta and Warren himself. What do you make of that, Tony? <laughs> well, I think it's just another, you know, it's just another example of Warren's captaincy genius. Really. <laughs> uh, we, we used to have a similar thing, didn't we, in our team, Numpsy? For for the the team that we used to play for, representing Guernsey, admittedly at under fourteen level. Um, I mean, we we, we represented Guernsey all the way from like under probably I don't know what the low, the lowest was like under sevens all the way up to under fourteens. Yeah, and then not that beyond the high, that. Yeah. At fifteen, we were considered too old. I think we were not too old, obviously. <laughs> We were considered too uh, bad. Too bad. Not we hadn't made the progress. We hadn't made, made the cut. Well, anyway, at under fourteen level, um, for a while, uh, our coach brought in this thing that if uh, if anybody in the team goofed up, they had a a big teddy bear handcuffed to them. It was called Numpty, and you were that day's Numpty. I remember one specific occasion where I landed one of our team members in it. I offered him a sherbet lemon. He asked, "What flavour are they?" And uh, I, I immediately went to the coach and was like, oh, he deserves numpty for that. Yeah, you were um, a dobbo, weren't you? Yeah, I was a dob. <laughs> you, uh, Bring back the word dob. People the, don't say yeah, dobber now. That was your nickname in the, the cricket team <laughs> was the snitch. That's why you were out the team, really, at the age of 15, because all you'd done is spent the past three or four years concentrating on trying to get other people numpty. Instead of concentrating on your batting and your bowling. Anyway, so that's that's been implemented uh, for the Royals as well. Another IPL story coming from Crick Info. Malaria in the Rajasthan Royals dressing room. You look alarmed, Tone, but, but don't worry, all will become clear. Shane Warne's routine of dishing out nicknames to his Rajasthan Royals teammates continues with Ashok Malaria being christened Doxy. How did the name come about, you ask? It has everything to do with Warne's fear of malaria and the anti-malarial drug he has stocked up on, 
doxycycline. The story goes that Warren, who had story goes, who had trouble pronouncing Maneria's name, called the all-rounder Doxy as his surname sounded like the mosquito-born ailment. Maneria says, quote, Since Shane is scared of malaria, when he first met me, he jokingly asked if it is malaria or malaria. <laughs> when he came here, he brought a lot of medicines, mostly doxycycline. So I was named Doxy after the drug. This is why Rajasthan are, you know, they're a special franchise, you know, they've clearly got the most banter, for one. The he- helmed by an idiot. Is <laughs> they're helmed by... The thing is, this is what Rajasthan rules is so good at. It's combining success on the pitch with enjoyment and pleasure off it. Very minor enjoyment. It's a- <laughs> sort of light entertainment. The champions of light entertainment, that's, got, that's, their, nickname, that's their slogan, isn't it? Like, you can't imagine one as, a, as an end-of-the-peer comedian. Well... <laughs> More like a jump off the pier comedian, oh, eh? No. Eh? No. Eh? <laughs> no. So yeah, anyway, what I've learned from that is that Shane Warne isn't funny. You guys probably get on quite well then. Ooh. Ooh, there we go. Moving on to associate cricket. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just always good to get away from, from comedy, into it? There's no comedy in associate cricket, we know that. No, it's, it's de- very it's, serious. It's definitely not a joke, associate <laughs> cricket. Anyway, just in like in my ever everlasting quest for new places to talk about associate cricket... Hungary. Uh, I love their domain name. Hungryforcricket.com Because the country is called Hungary. Hungary. But at the same time, they're saying, like, as in they are hungry, hungry for cricket. without an A, and this is, yeah. for cricket. And it's supported by their strapline, feeding the appetite for cricket in Hungary. <laughs> hey. So in case you didn't get it. Anyway, it got me quite excited because they're, they're sort of on their homepage, the first item. It's Nets in Budapest, a new pitch at Schnodlerjet, I think is how you pronounce it. Procedures are officially underway to ensure that cricketers in Budapest will have centrally located nets in pra- nets to practice in after just four years of waiting. Now this is the this is the ICC again, isn't it? Give them the bloody nets. Don't <laughs> just wait them wait. This is this is what I really caught my eye was that barring the recurrence of last year's extended heavy snows and record rainfalls, uh, our new cricket ground at Schnollijet is definitely set to be in action this season. Practice nets, scorers hut, and an artificial pitch at the centre of what will surely be. Central and Eastern Europe's biggest cricket ground is a reality about to be with us. Wow. The things you find on the internet, Tone, honestly. We've got some late-breaking news, Tone. Alistair Cook looks set to be named England's one-day international captain. The ECB have called a press conference for Thursday, so there's every chance that by the time uh, listeners are listening to this, Cook will be the one-day skipper. So basically, from not being in the team, he's now a skipper. Yep, that's the way we do things here in England. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that, of course, next week. Um, but that's it for today. 100 episodes then, Tone. 100 bloody episodes. 100 edits, more to the point yeah, for me. Uh, you don't have to deal with any of that. Bring on 200. Bring on 200. That's the next target. Can we do a Lara? Can we break Lara's record? If we make 401 episodes of the World Cricket Show... Is that more impressive, in a way, than Brian Lara scoring 400 not out in a test match? It is almost more impressive, that's a good point. It's, I mean, endurance-wise, it's pretty... It's that's true. Everyone, everyone's, yeah, that's basically what everyone focuses on, isn't it? With, with those sort of big innings, they'd be like, oh, he could he spent 16 hours at the crease or something. Yeah, but he had lunch in between, he? he had like, he had tea, he had, with drinks breaks. We don't get drinks breaks. On an uncharacteristically serious note, thank you to all of you for listening, for putting up with us. Because, you know, if it weren't for you guys, it would literally just be me and Tone cooped up in a broom cupboard, rabbiting on about cricket. and Talking uh, rubbish. And that really wouldn't be a tolerable situation for anybody. So cheers for listening. 
You know, Taylor, a lot of people email us asking, you know, how can I give something back to the World Cricket Show? I'd suggest the best way would be uh, to tell some other people about us. And, you know, there are lots of ways you can do that, although, you know, the best way is probably just telling somebody, you know, call them up, stand over them while they're downloading the episodes and, and, and listening. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. We've got some photos up there, some videos, haven't we? You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash cricket show. Find our website on the internet, www.worldcricketshow.com. You can send us an email at worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Let us know if you want some free stickers. Uh, we'll send those out to you. People cannot get enough of the stickers. Though. We're sending them out on a daily basis, aren't we? The world is covered in them. Um, if you find us on iTunes, you can uh, check out our back catalogue and, of course, leave us a review. That would really help us out. So that's about it from me and presumably, therefore, from you as well, Tim. Yeah, I think you're about to cut me off. So I get that feeling. I get the feeling you're, you're, you know, we're approaching the end of the show. That's that's the, the vibes I'm getting. Very perceptive, Tone. Very perceptive. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you brought me in for. <laughs> it's nice to see you've learned something over the course of a hundred episodes. You're finally being, being I'm getting, yeah, you know, I'm getting, you know, getting to grips, getting a handle on the cues, the the, the very subtle <laughs> change in your tone and the very, you know, the language you're using. I think. Shut up, Tone. See you all next week then. <laughs> I can smell your fear. got a wet mouth and it's just kind of like it doesn't, I don't spit I don't think but it just kind of yeah who, uh, who who was yeah as you say got a lot of attention uh, from the media because uh, it was a bit like oh who's this who's this girl uh, you know who's this bird and it was Pippa Middleton <laughs> interesting you started with no not you thinking no that wasn't like audio from the Bin Laden raid <laughs> it's like Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 